if you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. What we want to do for our first product is take the things that you love about video games, the things that you love about board games. You could take a toy miniature dragon, put it on the table, and it can breathe virtual fire, adding this layer of magic to it. What if you could play a tabletop game where game elements came to life through augmented reality? That's the concept behind Tilt 5's new holographic gaming system. Think in terms of a game board setup. And now, imagine monsters emerging from the table or different atmospheric conditions or landscapes coming to life right in front of your eyes. Tilt 5 wraps up their Kickstarter campaign at midnight on October 28, 2019. And that means gamers in 2020 are going to get to experience something brand new. Jerry Ellsworth is the co-founder and CEO of Tilt 5, which is based in the San Francisco Bay Area. Jerry, as a maker, how did augmented reality first come on your radar as a medium in which you could create? Well, I had a really awesome opportunity to go work at a company called Valve Software in Washington. And so this company hired me to put together their research department around hardware, and they gave me the task put together a team that would find ways to make games more approachable for a broader audience of all ages and all genders. And it was there where we started researching various ways that you could interact with games. And we did a lot of fundamental research around virtual reality, augmented reality, read people's minds with cameras and sensors, and we set that back into games. And... I like to say that I probably got a look about 20 years into the future just through these brute force experiments that we're doing, and that's where I got hooked on augmented reality, and I've been working on it since. So I've probably been in this space for about eight years now. Wow. You're almost scaring me when you said you were able to read people's minds. It is literally scary how how accurately people read people's minds as far as their emotional state. And it's, this is a whole other topic. If you are digitizing people's world, you know, as they're walking around and understanding what they're looking at and their emotional state, it's like having a like button on everything, you know, in your world. And certainly some of the big companies that are out there trying to hoover up all of your personal information and understand all of your weaknesses to advertise to you are working on this technology. Really scary stuff. Really scary. Wow. As the hair raises on my arms here, how'd you first come up, though, with the concept of Tilt 5? Well, Tilt 5 came out of those early experiments at Valve Software because we had that mission that we had to, like, make an inclusive gaming system that anyone from grandma, grandpa, all the way down to grandkids could play with. Till five, that just remained with me and remained with my team, that we needed to find a system that brings people together and that is really very approachable. And so everything in our system, we've crafted it 
be very approachable down to even the color of the glasses that you wear or the shape of we have a magic wand. And we put a lot of thought and psychology into how we designed it. For instance, some people laugh at the shape of our magic wand. It kind of looks like a barbecue lighter. But that's not a mistake at all. That was very carefully crafted, you know, just understanding how people interact. Like, ever since we were little kids, we know how to pick up a stick and poke something with a stick. And so a lot of our interactions are you kind of poke at things with a stick. Everyone knows how to pull a trigger on, like, a hot glue gun or a barbecue lighter. And so poke something with a stick, pull the trigger, lift it up once you've pulled the trigger. The interactions are so approachable, anyone can use our system to interact in this new 3D game space. That's fun that it's intuitive because so many times you'll see something new. It's like, well, how do I do this? And that would really make it not inclusive of everybody. So I can't wait to see this. Yeah, I actually use my father as a kind of test. My dad, is he was an auto mechanic, very intelligent when it comes to like working on cars and stuff. But when it comes to computers and video games, like if I handed him an Xbox controller, he'd hold it upside down. It's not intuitive to him. But when I show him our system and I hand him the wand, he knows, poke the thing with the wand, pull the trigger. And a lot of our initial experiences to get you kind of up to speed is exactly that. Poke it, <laughs> pull the trigger. And then from there, we can you know, train you and, and teach you those little bit more complicated interactions. Okay, now I have to know, what was your dad's favorite part of playing the game? You know, it's almost universal across everyone that we show this. So we have a very simple demo that lets you pull the trigger and it creates a cube hanging off the end of the wand. And then when you release the trigger, it just drops down the table and kind of bounces around. And so there's no real gameplay to it except for it's just completely physics and randomness. So you drop a bunch of blocks and you stir them with the wand. So when the wand touches them, they get pushed around and pick them up and then redrop them or you can create more blocks. So it's so delightful. Like, gave him the system. He flipped it on. First thing he does is pull the trigger and this magical, like, just shows up and he starts giggling. And that's almost universal. Everyone that tries their system starts signaling when they create the first, you know, kind of little magic block just hanging there in, in 3D space. How fun. Yeah, and then as you get into more complicated experiences, like we have somewhere, there's a little robot. You can poke at the robot with your hand, and the robot just reacts. Like, it'll jump back, it'll giggle, it'll wave its hands around, and it's a very random kind of experience, but it gets you familiar with reaching and touching things with your hands. I love that. Let's suppose that we have put on the glasses, we've dropped the blocks, we've poked the robot, we've gotten past the giggle stage, but now we're going to play. Yeah. What are we going to play and what's going to happen? So we have, that comes in every one of the kits, we have a set of games that progresses you through more complicated experiences. And so one of the first games that you'll play on the system is this kind of like a, a block game where you're supposed to shoot from the wand green blocks. You need to avoid hitting the red blocks. And these blocks come across on conveyor belts, and you have to hit them as fast as you can. 
and there's a little laser pointer that's coming out of the end of your wand, and it's really fun because things are moving around the screen, and sometimes you aim to shoot the blocks, but they move just in time, and you hit a red block. So there's a lot of this kind of variable reward aspect to it. And that gets you familiar with interacting with things that are further away from the wand through virtual, you know, this laser pointer. And then you'll progress to another game. We have a game where you have little kind of cute alien creatures that have landed on your table, and they're kind of shooting these uh, missiles up towards your face. And you have to just move your head side to side so it doesn't, like, the missiles don't hit you. And that gets you familiar with, like, how you can move around and interact that way, and you kind of dip and dodge. And then we have some card-based experiences where you pull out the playing cards, and you can drop cards down, and as you put these cards down, they change this fantasy dungeon scene where you have some bad guys that are running across the dungeon, and you can drop these cards in to protect your monument at the end of the of the table. And so that's the progression we take you through. It's a little bit more complicated each step of the way through so you get comfortable with all the different ways you can interact. Then once you're through with our introductory games, then we have a whole litany of content that's by third-party developers. And so some of the more exciting ones for me is we have Fantasy Grounds, which is this platform for role-playing games. And it has a thousand different adventures, over a thousand different adventures. And then there's another partner, Tabletopia, which has hundreds of licensed classic board games. We also have, like, pure video games, too. So folks that just love video games, we have puzzle games, we have action games, a lot of content you'll be able to get from from third-party developers. Wow, how much fun. Yeah. You were mentioning how you could have some really special effects happen in a game. We did a previous interview, and my computer was not cooperating, I was sorry to say. So I wish you'd tell me about that again. Yeah, so there's some interactions that are really unique to our system. And so one of the concepts that we've come up with, it's kind of our thesis, how we think about all the content we get, all the interactions we create, and how we build the system is what we want to do for our first product is take the things that you love about video games, the things that you love about board games, and you don't have to be a board game person or a video game person to participate. But we bring these like virtues of both gameplay styles and we blend them together. And so there's these beautiful things that can be applied over the top of, say, traditional board games. So you could take a toy miniature dragon, for instance, a little plastic dragon, you put it on the table and it can breathe virtual fire and you can see that virtual fire breathing out of this, adding this layer of magic to it. And if your friends can't be there with you to play in person, you can take your game board and connect to their game board. And so using that same, you know, kind of overlaying graphics on things, you take it to the next level, you put the toy dragon down, the miniature down, physical on your side, but it becomes a hologram on their side, and they see a virtual representation of your dragon that's breathing fire, completely virtual. 
And so our objective is to try to make it feel like even if you're apart, you still have that intimate connection and you're playing together. And then there's these theatrics that you can do that are really exciting. So like the role-playing game, you can, you have your game master or your dungeon master that's running the game and they can set up some theatrics in advance. So things like they can wave their hand over the game board and say, an eerie mist settled into the village. And because we can track your hands with our system, literally an eerie virtual mist will emit from your hands and settle down into this, this little virtual village that's you know, present right there on your table. And then your friends sitting around the table will see this happen. Or if they're at distance, they'll see a virtual version of your hand and then the eerie mist will settle out. How many people at once can be playing this? There's any number can sit around the table and participate, and in theory, any number of folks can log in remotely. It's really up to the game developer to choose how many players they want to support. So all of the provided games that we give are multiplayer, so they range between one to six players. This is going to be a blast. Yeah. What would you consider one good creative mistake that you'd warn other makers away from as you were developing Tilt 5? Well, I've made a ton of mistakes throughout the years. And what's funny is, you know, in my 20s, I thought I knew everything. And I made a bunch of mistakes. And then in my 30s, I'm like, okay, in the 20s, I didn't know anything. Now I know everything. You know, now I'm starting, you know, I'm in my 40s and just realized that I didn't know hardly anything up to this point. I think probably some of my biggest mistakes think that I know everything. But maybe more concretely for Tilt 5 and like developing all this augmented reality, I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made early on was instead of focusing on one audience and one segment, I was creating technology for technology's sake and trying to like convince the world that it would apply to everything in their life. So with Till 5, now that we've really focused on, hey, we can make a magical game experience on your table, it's a much easier message, and, and it's a lot easier for us to focus and succeed. Jerry said Tilt 5's original Kickstarter goal of $450,000 was reached within the first 17 hours of the campaign. But the campaign continues through Monday night, the 28th of October at midnight, and the new stretch goal is now $2 million. Not because of the money, but because that figure would be an inspiring one for Jerry and her team as they prepare to ship the world's first holographic tabletop gaming system in 2020. What was one of the best creative challenges you had as you were developing Tilt 5? For me, I think the most creative challenge was to come up with these new optical systems. I'm a self-taught engineer. I never went to college for any of this. And so my whole career has been teaching myself how to do business, how to teach myself to do electrical engineering, mechanical engineering. And for this project, I had to learn a lot about optics. And optics is not an exact science, even though you think it should be. So there's a lot of non-intuitive things about it. And so some of the discoveries that we made around the optics 
were made to pure accident by trying a bunch of different things. You know, photons kind of want to do what they want to do, and they're not not super easy to model in simulations and actually be able to see what the end result's going to be in a simulation. So sometimes you just have to get in there, get dirty, start working with the real optics and see what happens. So inside of our headset, there's a couple optical components that I had a big role in. So we have these extremely small video projectors. They're incredibly small. But the first projectors that I put together, I actually put together on my coffee table in my living room out of pieces that I pulled out of point-and-shoot cameras that I dissected to get really tiny lenses, and I hot-glued them together. And I actually made a pretty small projector that worked. And so when it was time to refine it to make a product, I hired on a firm. That's what they do is they design projectors and cameras. And they came in, they took a look at my prototype that I built, and they're like, well, this is a really great experience. We're sure we can improve the fidelity and the quality of the optics. So they went off and they did a new design, and they came back, and the design was really big, physically big. I'm like, oh, well, that's not going to work because our glasses need to be really small. And so I asked them, do you mind if I just look at your design and let me just work with the simulations? And so I went and got a free tool that's used for education, not even professional at all. And I modeled their lenses, and I just started playing around and doing some experiments on my coffee table. And I came up with this completely new design with lenses in kind of non-intuitive places. And it looked like it was going to project correctly in simulation, and my prototypes looked like it worked. And I sent it back to them. I said, you know, very humbly, like, I'm not sure if this is going to work or not. You're the expert. And they kind of scratched their head, and they're like, wow, we had never thought about putting lenses in those places before. But yes, it would work. I'm very proud of that. It's a really satisfying part of this journey. How cool is that? That's fantastic. Yeah. Of course, people listening right now are going to want to know, where can they find out more about Tilt 5? So to find us, you can go to our website, www.tilt5.com. Spell it all out. Do a search on Google. You'll probably see our Kickstarter come up if it's still within this window of time when the Kickstarter's still running. Encourage you to back the project. It's really something special. Um, I think you'll like it. And if you want to find out more about me personally, I have a YouTube channel which is full of projects that range from hardcore science that you can do at home to art projects to even videos of me walking out to lava flows in Hawaii and scooping lava with shovels. So you can find out a bit more about me there. Twitter's also a good place. I like to communicate directly with folks on Twitter. So tilt5.com to find out about the Kickstarter campaign and about Tilt 5 itself. And then your YouTube channel, which I saw earlier today. Where do they find that? Jerry Ellsworth. It's a really original YouTube name. And that's, my name is spelled Jerry, J-E-R-I. So that's probably the trickiest bit of it. And then Ellsworth with two L's, and it should come right up. They'll see that you have a chip named Archie in your glasses. I thought that was kind of fun. 
Yeah, we try to have a lot of fun around the company. We just made the pact before we started the company that I would remain CEO, I would be the vision of the company, we would be very candid and open with our users and our fans, and that's what we've done, and it's served us well. It sounds like an amazing place to get to work and to create. It's fun. What's been one of your best moments with Tilt 5 so far? That's a great question. I mean, obviously, tripling, maybe going to, you know, four times our goal by the end of this is going to be very exciting. I'll be very proud of that. But, you know, money is not, not the biggest factor for me. I think one of the most exciting things for me was the moment we went out for the first time with the product and showed it to folks at a, a gaming conference called Gen Con. And we ran thousands of people through the experience. And I got to stand back and watch people play. And like universally, people giggled the first time they created the block or the first time they dropped the playing card down and the game character just kind of popped up out of the table. That was a super proud moment because just seeing the delight on people's faces was amazing because we theorized about this for years and years and years and internally we were delighting ourselves with you know playing with the prototype but to actually see it with just kind of the general public that was amazing i did want to ask you about the kit that you put together for tilt five because you're not just putting together a kit where we can play you're also putting together something we can develop what could we do yeah, so every one of our headsets is also a developer kit, whether you're a professional or just someone that wants to get in there and learn a bit about augmented reality. So at our entry-level kit, which is $299, you get the glasses, you get our wand, which lets you interact in 3D space, all of the tracking systems where you can track objects, game board games that are included, and the SDK. We have some other tier levels which have a few more perks to them. We have a kind of family pack which has multiple headsets. It was important to us to, a lot of companies choke off developers and you have to pay extra or you have to jump through a lot of hoops to develop. And we wanted to be as open as possible and just let anyone from a hobbyist to a professional use it. And I should mention, a lot of people ask this, like, well, your focus is all about games. Can I use it for XYZ professional or XYZ educational purposes? And our answer is like, yes, we absolutely built it for that. We're only putting our marketing dollars behind gaming right now because we have to stay extremely focused. And in fact, a lot of the people listening right now will be teachers and might be thinking, well, what if I want to show my class what a historic costume looked like in the time of Queen Elizabeth? What if I want to show my science class something that we can't necessarily see, like what a moon launch looks like? Absolutely. It's perfect for that because you can have your students come together in the round. And a unique property of our system is that each person gets a unique view into the space. So you as the, the professor, the teacher, the educator, you get to see maybe your lesson notes all presented on the table while students actually have to go through the activities and learn it on their own. You have dashboards presented so that you can track each of the users' progress through their tasks, which would be private to students, but you would be privy to it. So we are working with third-party developers that are creating content. So uh, a company called Niffler and Gameface 
are doing educational modules, which I've got to sample some of their early work. They have biology lessons where you see, like, a heart, you see all the valves, there's intestines, you see the different parts of the intestines, eardrums, they have an engine for more of the mechanical side of things, so you can pull the pieces off of an internal combustion engine. So it's going to be a powerful tool for educators. This is going to be an exciting thing. Now, once the Kickstarter campaign closes, what's next? You've now raised, I'm going to assume that you'll have three times what you have already requested. What happens for you and your team the day after that Kickstarter campaign closes? Well, having done a Kickstarter before, there's going to be a couple weeks of chaos because there's problems with uh, users' credit cards and refuse. We're going to have to work really hard to help people through that transition period on the user side. Our engineering team has never stopped working on getting the production aspects of it going, so they're just going to continue on. We have a couple tasks in front of us. Right now we have production tooling for the plastics. We have production electronics. We're working with the manufacturer to fix some little silly things that are not working right on the headset. Like right now, they're working through a problem. There's a hinge pin that's off by a fraction of a millimeter, and the hinge on the arms is supposed to snap open and stay open, but it just falls closed on. So over the next six to eight months, they're going to be working through these minor issues. In Q1 of next year, our first beta kits go out, and this is a reward level on our Kickstarter that we set. And we've been, we made this one in particular extra expensive, and we try to make it very clear that don't sign up for this one unless you want to be part of helping us find all the bugs. So on the software side and in conjunction with these brave souls that decide to back us at this level, we're going to be working through all the little software bugs that are going to surface. On my side, being CEO of the company, I don't get to do as much of the technical stuff. So I get to you know do all the public facing activities plus pull in more content deals. And so right now we have a ton of content deals in the works. It's, it's kind of agonizing for me because I'd love to just talk about all the deals that are in flight, but game developers in particular never announce anything until it's like perfect for their promotional effort, which is a bit of a chicken and egg problem for us. Like, we want people excited about the content coming. If people could only get one thing from you about innovation, creativity, and making a difference when they played Tilt 5 or when they developed with Tilt 5 or used it in the classroom or wherever, what would you want them to take away from you? I think something that served me well in my career and my life is not to be afraid of experimenting and making mistakes. My whole career, you know, I've made kind of mistakes. You just have to, like, get back up and go again. And it's the same thing about the creative process, making augmented reality. It's like, this is a new space. We don't know exactly how every user experience is going to work and what's going to be satisfying, what's not. So you have to fling a little mud, kind of see what sticks, and be okay with you know, some of it not working. Jerry, thank you for your time today. Well, thank you. It's an honor. You and I have been listening to Jerry Ellsworth, 
CEO and co-founder of Tilt5, creators of the world's first holographic tabletop gaming device. You can find out more about their Kickstarter campaign or get updates at tilt5.com. That's tilt5.com. And as Jerry mentioned, you can follow her on Twitter or check out her YouTube channel by typing in her name, Jerry, J-E-R-I, Ellsworth, E-L-L-S-W-O-R-T-H. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X, twomavericks.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.